Uh, concerning your inheritance, I want to inform all of you of what you've just been given and uh, make sure that you're fully aware of all that you have inherited in Christ Jesus. So let me get this prepared for you. And uh, you can turn in your uh, treatise to Hebrews chapter 9, and I'm going to get the papers out for us to deal with the inheritance we have in Christ Jesus. Now, the problem is, and the reason I'm here to share this with you, is there are far too many of us who are walking around as paupers when God has in fact given us an amazing inheritance through Jesus, and many of us are not participating in that inheritance and what has been provided for us. And so I'm here this morning to deliberate on your behalf what the Word of God says and in fact what the contract says that's been made uh, through the blood of Jesus and how to uh, access these promises into your life. And so if you would, please turn with me to Hebrews chapter 9 and we're going to take a look at this last will and testament of God. There is no other. Uh, This is the final one, the once and for all contract and covenant that God has made for His people. It doesn't need to be improved upon. It's complete. Everything you need is in this thing. And so I want you to become fully aware of what is yours in Christ Jesus so that you lack nothing, as Paul would say, so that we would lack nothing. And so Uh, Let's take a look, first of all, of God's last will and testament. Hebrews 9.16 says this, In the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it. Because a will is in force only when someone has died, it never takes effect while the one who made it is living. And so we need to know for sure if the one who executed the will has in fact died. Uh, Have there been enough eyewitnesses of the death burial uh, of Jesus Christ? Do we have eyewitness accounts of that? Do we have a written document and a historical uh, uh, documentation that Jesus, in fact, lived and died? We do have that. Uh, I'm just going to add this to it. Do we have any witness that he, in fact, rose from the dead as well? We do. That's good, because someone had to deliver this thing unto unto the Father, right? All right, so we need to understand that the writer of Hebrews is telling us that there's an inheritance here. There is something that has been accomplished by a mediator, an advocate, one who speaks in our defense and has acquired for us all that God had promised. But we had to make sure he died so that it was enacted because if he didn't die, it never would have come into action, right? I mean, I inherited some things from my grandma, but it wasn't until she died that we could open the will or the testament and find out what she bequeathed to me, right? All right, so let's see what is ours through Jesus Christ. Now, when you look at a will, you'll see that there are seven conditions of any will. And we're going to go through each of those conditions to see if we can inherit what was secured for us by Jesus. So the very first point or condition of a will, that when it's being made, first off, the one who's making the will must be of proper age. Now, I know in the book of Galatians it says that in the fullness of time, Christ came being born of a virgin, and it was in the fullness of God's plan from eternity past that the Lamb from the foundations of the world would come to give His life 
for a salvation for all the people. And so the fullness of time came and Christ was born. He came at the right time in the right manner. He himself was 30 years of age when he began his ministry to express the will of God the Father for the earth. He began to speak in the community as any rabbi begins speaking at age 30. He began his ministry and he got followers. And this rabbi began to speak. And he began to speak of the inheritance that was going to be those who would follow him. He spoke on a mount. And they entitled one of his uh, teachings, Sermon on the Mount, where he begins to speak of the benefits of being a follower and what you'll inherit from him. And as age 30, he began to speak as a representative of heaven, so much so that he said... The words I speak are not my own, but the Father who sent me. And the actions I do are not my own. They are all the actions of the Father. And so Jesus, at the right age, began to minister the revelation and will of the Father for the kingdom or for those who will inherit this message of the kingdom. And so was he of the right age? Definitely. And in the fullness of time, Jesus came. Secondly, he must be in his right mind. Now, you can't have someone write a will that's just a little bit out of it, right? Kind of tweaked in the head, a little batza, and then kind of crazy. You can't, you've got to have sane, someone sane. You have to have witnesses that prove that they're sane. So when someone writes a will, they need to be sane. Well, the Bible tells us that Jesus, in the book of Colossians, it says, he is the full treasure of God's wisdom and knowledge. Of course, he's completely sane. At age 12, he knew what he was doing. He said, I must be about my father's business. And so he understood what his work was, and he was fully sane, bringing about the will of God as it was written by God. Now, here's the other thing that's very important. The third one is, you got to have something to give. I mean, if you're going to make a will and you're going to bequeath things to somebody, you sure have to have something to give to them. So here's the question. What is being given to us? What is it that God had written in a will and in the covenant so that when the one who would testify to this will would die, it would all become enacted? And so that's what we have to look at this morning. It says in Hebrews 9:11, when Christ came as high priest, another word for high priest is mediator, counselor, advocate when Christ came as the high priest of the good things that are already here he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that's not made uh, that's not man-made that is to say not a part of this creation so Christ came into the earth as the high priest of the good things that are already here in other words what was already here was the will and testament of what God wants us to inherit Okay? Jesus came to mediate what God had already put forth into the earth as the will of our inheritance. And I'm here this morning to unlock that for you. There are three areas, three things that we have that we're going to be inheriting from. The first thing that Christ came to do for our inheritance was to give us what the Father wrote down and put into the earth was the promise to Abraham. 
Now that was the first thing that God said would be fulfilled when this covenant is enacted. The new covenant came. Because it says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 19, Brothers, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is the case here. And he skips to verse 19. What then was the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgressions till the seed of the promise came. What that tells me is there's a difference between the law of Moses and the promise of Abraham. You with me? All right, so let's concentrate on the first one, the promise of Abraham. Abraham was promised to be blessed and to be a blessing and to bless all those who blessed him. And that promise was unto his seed. Paul clearly identifies in Galatians 3 that the seed is Jesus the Messiah. And so when Christ comes, he is going to complete the promise of Abraham, fill in all that God had promised to Abraham, because what did God say to Abraham? Your seed will bless the nations. And so Jesus came to fulfill the promise, and if that promise is here, and at his death it's enacted, what should be taking place? The nations should be blessed, right? And who are the seed of Abraham now as you come in Christ? We should be blessing the nations. That is our inheritance. Ask of me, says the Lord, and I will give you what? Oh, come on, that's too easy. How are we going to win a nation like that? Ask of me and I will give you what? The nations. Brothers and sisters, we think too small. You're praying for your Aunt Gladys for 30 years. Good for that. Why don't you start praying for a nation? We have to begin claiming nations coming to God. I should expect Detroit to come to God, St. Clair Shores to come to God, Sterling Heights. Sister, Warren's going to come to God. We need to have the nations coming to God. Michigan, the United States, will someone begin to pray for this nation? It's our inheritance. Oh, you're not getting this. It's my legal right. It's my inheritance to pray that nations will come to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this is a promise. Now, we see that Jesus said, tarry in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. What's the promise? The promise is different than the law. The promise was given to Abraham. You shall be a blessing. The final outcome of that promise is the very nature of God by His Spirit dwelling in us. That's my inheritance. God's my inheritance. Not just some pie in the sky. Someday over the rainbow I'm going to see him. God is living in me now. That's the promise. I've got God in me. That's one of my inheritances. Does anybody want a piece of this? Come on, yeah. I've got a promise and it's sure. That's one of the promises, but we ain't done yet. You've got to understand, that's one thing. Now, we understand also that what the Father gave as a will and testament. Look, look at, remember when God told Abraham, this is a sure thing? He said, in fact, I'm going to make a covenant. He said, you cut an animal, because that's how they made covenant in the Old Testament. You slice open an animal and set him, all his pieces on the ground. And what they would do when they would make a covenant is they'd cut an animal in half, apportion it on either side, and then both parties of the covenant would walk through the middle of that thing saying that death, nothing will separate me from this promise except death. 
and they would make covenant. Now, what God did with Abraham is he said, Abraham, take a nap, sit down. And God sent a representative for Abraham. Abraham was awake enough to see what was going on because God was making an eternal covenant with Abraham. And he was making it in the earth. All of these promises are an inheritance for here, now, in the earth. Not for floating in clouds. It was here. And he said, you sit here. And a fire came down and walked where Abraham was supposed to walk. And God substituted for Abraham his presence so that he made covenant with himself that the promise I gave to Abraham will be sure. And that's the promise we have, the very promise of his spirit dwelling in us and that he would come and abide with us. That's the promise. Now let's go to the covenant. He then made a covenant with Abraham's children, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob's 12, and the 12 became tribes. And with Israel, he called them out and he made a covenant with Israel called the law of Moses. And how many of you know that in that law, there are blessings and curses, right? Right. Now, the problem is that law is so holy, it's so uh, designed to portray the character of God himself that we can never attain to its righteousness. So all it became is something that we continually fell short of. And there were blessings all through it. Blessings that in Deuteronomy, verse 28, in fact, God did a little bit of a drama for all of Israel. He said, Moses, you tell half the people to go over on this mountain. Stand over there. Go over there. And it was a beautiful, lush, green mountain. And he said, now take the other group and you go on this mountain over here. And it was all rock and shale and it was barren and dead. And he said, okay, good. Now, this is a word picture for everybody. How many of you know God loves drama? And, and so they're on both sides of the mountain. And, and he'd have the one who would pronounce the curses from the barren land say the curses. And then he had the one side say all the blessings and the promises of a fruitful reward and land. Isn't that good? Oh, but we've got a problem. We're not going to be able to get any of these blessings because we fail in the law. And all we'll get as we continue to fail under the righteous law are the curses. How are we ever going to grasp and reach for those blessings? How could we ever get them? Well, God had put them in the will. They're there. They're our inheritance, but we can't touch them because we're unclean, we're unholy. Until the one came who stood in our place and became a curse for us and took all the curse of the law upon himself so that he would give us the right and the access to all the blessings written in the law. They're ours now because of what Christ did. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He hung on a tree. Cursed is every man who hangeth on a tree. And as he took the curse of the law upon himself and paid the price for the curse of the law, he gave us the right to access the blessings. They're listed there. Read them. They're yours. Read them. They're yours. So now these blessings belong to us. Not only the promise of Abraham fulfilled and given to us as an inheritance, but the blessings of the law that God wrote down and, and actualized by blood. Oh, but it ain't over yet. Say it isn't so. It ain't over yet. Because look at this. There is also another distinction. God is so good, he couldn't stop. He couldn't stop. He couldn't stop. He can't stop blessing. It, let alone, wouldn't it have been enough to have the promise of Abraham? Wouldn't it have been enough to have the promise of the law 
of Moses fulfilled so that all the blessings are ours, but he also gave us the promises listed in the prophets. Let me share with you a very important distinction. In the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5, 17, Jesus said this, Think not that I have come to abolish the law. Right? That's what we always quote. Think that I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. We're misquoting. Read the whole thing. Think not that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. You know what that just included? Not only the law of Moses and its blessings, but now every promise God ever gave through a prophet's mouth is ours as well. I did not come to abolish the law and the prophets. He says this later in Matthew 22 when they asked him what is the greatest commandment. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body, and love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You see, something was happening that was amazing. God is writing into the law code of planet Earth the inheritance of his children. And as he's writing it, he does it in such a way that the devil doesn't care and isn't paying attention. Because what's happening is the prophets are calling the Israel from repentance to come back to the law. The devil knows that they keep failing, they keep sinning. He keeps leading them astray. And God calls them back and the devil knows that all the law does is condemn them all the time. And the prophets say, Oh Israel, return to me and I will bless your land. I will make you fruitful and give you a hope and an eternal reward. <laughs> Who cares? They can't keep the law. What do I worry about all these promises for? Promises, 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 promises. People fail. They can't win this. There's no way. Until one day, the perfect man came, and he walked in our shoes, and he represented us. And when he went to the cross, he was perfect to the perfection out of his cleansed blood. That when he came to the cross, uh, all the promises of God through the prophets were now actualized for us through his death. And every promise God has ever made became yes to our amen. God wrote it all down. Look it up. I'm not lying. I'm here to prove it to you. It's all listed here. Could you imagine if our Bible was 10 pages? Do you understand why the Bible's this thick? You don't, you don't get it. I don't get it. Do you know why the Bible's this thick? Because that's how thick it had to be so God could put its, all those promises in it. This is all about his goodness to us. This is why it's so thick and so multiple because there's so many promises over thousands of years that he kept writing into planet Earth. He kept writing it down. Prophets say this. He kept showing prophets say that because all of these promises will last for an eternity. There are so many here that we keep forgetting about. Look, at we stay at one spot. I'm forgiven. I'm not going to go to hell. That's good. That would be enough, but not with my God. That's not enough. He says, come on, come on. Let me show you all of your inheritance. Oh, my goodness. And so what is, huh, what is our inheritance? Huh? What is it that he's got to give us? 
The promise of Abraham, the law of Moses, all of its blessings, and all the promises found in the prophets. That belongs to you and I. That's our inheritance. Who wants it? Come and get it. Amen. Fourth, the fourth condition. The will must be plain with reference to the conditions. In other words, who's going to benefit from it? What's being given? I just listed everything that's going to be given. Is it plain? Is it something you can understand? John said this. He said, all of these things have been written so that you may know salvation, so that you may understand how to be saved. This is an assurance that you would know that God seals you by His Holy Spirit so that Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. Who is this for? Whosoever will. Accept this salvation through Jesus Christ. Let me read to you who it's for. Jesus said who it's for. He uh, came out of the desert after he had been tempted. The devil tried to mess with him, and uh, that was just silly. And then so Jesus came out, and he went into a synagogue, and Jesus said this at the beginning of his mission, the beginning of testifying as to who this will and testament is being written for. He said this and turned to Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to do what? To preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, to recover sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He shut the book, sat down, and said, This day, this is fulfilled in your sight. Did he know who he came for? Who is this will written for? Anybody that's oppressed, anybody that's lost, anybody that's blind, anybody that's captive in this world to sin, it's for all of us. Plainly written, plainly and publicly declared in a public place by Jesus as to who would be the benefactor of this will. We go on. Number five, it must be witnessed, sealed, and recorded. Well, we already have what was written, witnessed, and sealed to, to Abraham, handed down to Isaac and Jacob, and to the 12 children of Jacob that became Israel. God then sealed by the blood of the animals and witnessed on Mount Sinai to Israel and recorded it in their law code. He then had prophets, and every time a prophet would speak, he would say, write it on a tablet so that it may be witnessed by all. So the entire Old Testament is written, sealed, and recorded. And what do we know about the New Testament? Listen to what Peter says in 2 Peter 1.16. We're not following cleverly invented fables or stories when we tell you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ? We were eyewitnesses of this majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came from God, uh, from the majestic glory saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven and when we were with him on that sacred mountain. Peter testifies. He writes it. He chronicles it. And makes it history. There were over 500 who saw the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. And I also like what John said as a witness. 1 John 1.1 That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, 
which we have looked at and our hands touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Jesus came in human history at a certain time, in a certain government, in a certain land for all to testify and know the annals of history, the records of history speak of Jesus, the Nazarite, the one who came. We have a book of all that he has declared and what he has spoken. His followers have written and we have a testament and a will that we have possession of. It's been made public. It's not fable. It's not story. It's not a belief system. It is a legal treatise for all to obey. We play with the devil as if all this stuff is spooky spiritual. This is a matter of legal rights. And at the cross, he was made an open shame, an open show. He can no longer condemn us by the law anymore. There's therefore no, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I've got a legal contract that says I am free from condemnation. And what you try to pin on me, devil, I am a free man. And I've got authority. Now you get out of that place and leave that person alone. Somebody start doing the work of the kingdom of God. Somebody take their inheritance up and start proclaiming, thus saith the Lord. This was bought with the blood of Jesus. And we spend most of our time praying that we'd have a bigger car and a bigger house and a bigger this and a bigger that. Shame on us. He said, I want you to take this inheritance to the poor. I want you to take this inheritance to the nations. I want you to take this inheritance to the blind. I want you to take it to all the people in need. There are people in need today. And we have the solution to every problem right here. Right here. Everything we need. We've got the legal right for everything that needs to be accomplished on planet Earth. For 2,000 years, what have we been doing? For 2,000 years. I mean, how many of you remember the game plan? <laughs> 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, go into all nations and preach. That takes 2,000 years? Go into all nations and preach, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. You see, there was a law code right at that time when that was being preached that said, Caesar is Lord. Caesar is divine and Caesar is God. And Paul said, I want to tell you something. And I'm here today to tell you, Jesus is Lord. And I will not bend my knee to the government. Jesus is Lord. There's a different kingdom at work right now. We have the legal right as heirs of that kingdom to take this message into all the land. Don't let anything stop you. Now, number six, an executor or administrator must be chosen to probate the will. Who is going to be the executor of the will? I mean, if Jesus dies and he's dead, who's going to execute it? Well, we happen to know that he rose from the dead, don't we? But Jesus said, there, I am, it is more expedient for me to go because I am going to send another advocate or another lawyer or another counselor or another comforter. Take the Greek words you want. They all mean the same thing. I am sending another. He will execute the will perfectly. In fact, he will lead you into all truth. 
He will lead you into your inheritance. And this spirit will not just visit you from time to time and send you a bill. He isn't just going to send you his monthly newsletter. He's going to live and abide in you for eternity. And he is going to speak to you as to what your inheritance is, what your rights are, and what you need to speak into the earth. Oh, we've got this thing covered. I've got the lawyer from heaven living in me. My goodness. My goodness. Now we go on. This, he said this, Hebrews 9, 15, For this reason Christ... Well, let me show you. The last one is this. The testator must die before it becomes effective. Now it was one thing to have all the promises of Abraham and that the seed would come. But that promise couldn't be fulfilled. The Holy Spirit couldn't come yet. Do you know why the Holy Spirit couldn't come? Because we were all sinners. The Holy Spirit would come and go, hmm, nothing I can do. We couldn't have Him in us. We're all sinners, right? All right, so, so the promise couldn't be fulfilled to Abraham because we're still in sin. And so the Spirit can't come in us. We can't receive the blessings that are in the Ten Commandments or the covenant law of Moses because we're still in sin therefore all we deserve is the curse you getting this so Christ couldn't come and live and then just hand this stuff over none of it could be executed because number one the righteous one had to die for you and I taking the curse of the law upon us and our sin off of us so that when he died the will became effective God made this thing so that there could be no one else that could accomplish this work Christ and Christ alone is the righteous one and the righteous seed. Because he died who knew no sin, all the curse of the law came on him, and our sins were forgiven. Look at Hebrews 9.15. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Do you see it? See, it's a two-point plan here. You first got to get us cleaned up from the old covenant. We're condemned to death under it. And so there can't be a new covenant till the old one's fulfilled. Christ came to fulfill it, live it perfectly, die for us, take the curse away so that now our sin is removed. He paid the ransom price for you and I, that is taking the curse, paying that ransom so now we could then inherit the promise the blessings and the prophecies they're all ours because of what he did that promised Holy Spirit you see now the will is in effect when he said it's finished the old one got torn up ripped up the veil was rent in it was ripped in the temple that thing's done now the covenant that God had made from Adam the promises all the way through Malachi and John the Baptist were now completed in Christ Jesus and now the Holy Spirit is here to give you your inheritance. How about we spend just about five minutes on what we're inheriting? Would you like to know what your inheritance is? Let's talk about that. Our inheritance now, 
Let me read to you Romans 8, 16. Well, let me start with, go back to uh, Hebrews and end the chapter we were in in Hebrews 9. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of the many people. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, see that thing's done, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Inwardly, we groan for the appearing or the manifestation of God to redeem these bodies for the full redemption. I'm going to have a new body. You're going to have a new body. Oh, it's something to celebrate. Thank God. Thank God. Resurrected life. The fullness of all these promises coming to bear. What are the inheritances? Well, look at Romans 8.16. Let me read it to you. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Think about this for a minute. Co-heirs with the Word of God. Co-heirs with the Messiah. Because of what Christ did on the cross taking us out of Adam and putting us in Christ, getting rid of the sin issue so that His very Spirit can dwell in us, we have now become His children, which gives us the right, John says in John 1.14, the right to be called sons of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. This isn't just some Pentecostal phrase. This isn't just some church religious. I am a child of God. I belong to God. Now that means everything that Jesus is going to inherit from the Father, so will I. So will I. Can you believe that? Look at, Jesus said this in Matthew 5 when he's talking about the Beatitudes. He goes in to say what you're going to inherit. He said that in Matthew 5, he said, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He said, blessed are they, they'll be comforted. He said, blessed are they, they'll inherit the earth. Oh, by the way, we'll be co-owners of this planet. They will inherit the earth. They will be filled. Filled with what? God and all of his glory. You need a body just to handle it. You need a new body just to handle all that God's got for you. He says, they will be shown mercy. They will see God. They will be called sons of God. And theirs is the kingdom. This is ours. God wants you to take ownership. This is what we're not doing with our inheritance and the things of God. We're not owning them. We're playing with them. We're dabbling with them. We tickle them. We look at them. Oh, someday I wish. They're ours. Own them. Own your rights as a son of God. Own your rights as a child of God. And begin to speak. I'll take you to Revelation chapter 2 and 3. How many of you know the message to the seven churches? He said, if you overcome, when you overcome, you shall receive this, you shall receive that. Here's some of our inheritance. Let me read it to you. He said, I will give you the right to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. He said, I will give you a crown of life. I will give some the hidden manna. That's the secret. That's the word of God. I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. Hallelujah. What am I going to do with a white stone? I'm going to throw it some. What do I skip it? 
What am I going to do with a white stone? It meant something. In that ancient time, a white stone with your name written on it meant that you were justified. You were released from the prison for all the offenses you ever committed. And your name on that stone was your receipt that I'm free. You can't condemn me any longer. You keep that stone in your pocket. I'm justified. Hallelujah. He goes on, he says, I will give you authority over the nations. We can't even run our household. Somebody help me. You folks are national leaders in this room. Come on, do you understand what our inheritance is? You think I'm just being silly. I am not. I am not being silly. You don't know the half of who you are. You don't understand who you are. You're a national leader. A national leader. What are you messing around with things for? Why are we playing piddly with all this stupid stuff, lying, cheating, different little things? You're a national leader. Walk like it. Talk like it. Run your household like a national leader. Speak like a national leader. I don't know what nation he'll give you. They'll probably have all new names by the time we get in the millennium. Right? And I know some folks, they'll complain with the nation they got. What do you want me to do with this one? National leaders, every one of us, you see, you've got to begin seeing our inheritance. We've got to be living out of a kingdom perspective, not out of, I'm a sinner who got forgiven. My goodness how much more you are. National leaders, I'll salute you all. He goes on, he says this, I will give you the morning star. I'm going to give you the the first light and revelation of Christ. I will give authority over the name. I will dress you in white and acknowledge your name before my Father and His angels. Jesus is going to parade you around. Hey, angels, look at this one. I love this kid. Do you remember watching what they did? Do you remember how they came through what they had to come through? And they trusted me. Every angel, would you give recognition to this person right here? Every one of you will receive recognition from Jesus Christ himself. Wow, you got to think different about yourself. He said, I will make you a pillar in the temple of my God. You know the pillars in the temple did not reach the top the brass, the bronze pillars in front of the Temple of Solomon were mammoth. They were huge. They went all the way up, but they were a couple feet short of having any weight put on them. Do you know why? Because they were just cool. Their only function was glory. Those things are amazing. When the sun would rise in the morning and as soon as it came over the mountains of Jerusalem and the sun would pierce those bronze, polished bronze pillars, it reflected. You couldn't even look. You needed sunglasses to see it reflect the glory of God on the temple. He said, you're going to be the ornamentation of my presence in the temple. You're going to reflect my glory in such a way. Your majesty is going to be beautiful. That's your inheritance. That's who you are. That's who you are. He said, I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God and also my name as well. Wow. 
God's going to write all over us. Mine, 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 mine. I will give you the right to sit with me on my throne. Come on. There was a will written by God. It takes so many pages to comprehend all the promises here. Are you a person who looks at the curses and judgments? Or are you a person who looks at the promises? It's time to read the promises because they're your inheritance. I close with this this morning. Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. I'm going to stop right there. Do you understand how precious you are? How, how costly it was for you. This inheritance, all of it, is for you. God so loved the world. He so loved you. He gave up His Son for you. He gave up His Son for you. In all of God's plan, from the beginning of time, all He kept doing was writing promises. I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you that. I'm going to give you this. Come on. What are you doing over there? You're walking away. You're straying. Come back. If you come back, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you that. Come on. What are you doing? You're messing up again. Come on. Get over here. Spank you on the bottom. I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you that. All of this is ours. Why? He gave us his son. It cost him everything to bless us so that he could give us an inheritance we couldn't even fathom. But I'm not done there yet. Look at this. How will he not also along with him? Now, like, that's not enough? I mean, you catch the way this is reading? How, 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 how will he not also along with Jesus give it? I mean, isn't that enough? Isn't Jesus enough? Isn't it enough that we can run into his arms and hold him? Isn't it enough that he attended to my every need, every moment of my day? Isn't it enough that he soothes me, cares for me, intercedes for me? Isn't it enough that he died for me? That's enough! But he says, that's not enough. Not only am I going to give you my son Jesus and everything that's his, I will give you everything. Everything. He'll graciously give us all things. We don't get it. We don't. We don't get, we can't come. This is yours. This is yours. Oh, planet Earth, it's yours. All the constellations, all the stars, all the different universes, everything that's out there. Do you know why the universe is so vast? Because he wants everyone to have it. It's yours. Everything's yours. Everything I have made is yours. It's yours. It's yours. Everything. I've given you my son, and I've given you everything that I've created. And there's only one thing I ask in return. Love me. Just love me. Just love me. He didn't give it so that we would love him. He loved us already. This morning I come to represent what God has given as an inheritance for you. It is my hope that you are overwhelmed with 
the majesty of our inheritance and that you would seriously begin to consider what is yours. Let's bow our heads.